The following program is in no way representative of the high-quality programming usually heard on the Maverick Radio Network. The views expressed and fishing techniques demonstrated are not endorsed by this station. The following is not a news broadcast. this we need to get recording we need to get this done we got stuff to do dust i like to move it move it ton welcome to the five count hold on a second i will not hold on this is live radio jackson it's live right now well i don't know what am i holding on for well you gotta hold on because somebody's trying to get a hold of me someday somebody's gonna try to get a hold of ton on his phone hold on for some stuff hi harper Oh, I'm really good. How are you doing? What's happening here? We're just melting some clam. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Listen, listeners. Ton is now getting um, a phone call from former Minnesota Twins catcher you Brian what? Harper. She said we never get to see Justin and the whole thing. It's a FaceTime. Oh. He's taking FaceTime um, calls during you- <laughs> the show. This is when he's supposed to be working. And he's taking Erica, personal calls. Erica, you look calls. nice. And oh, it's, um, I am at a realty office and I'm uh, recording our radio show right now. So you might be on the radio eventually. Dusty's trying to give a commenta- commenta- commentating over there. <laughs> so you, what are you going to do with these crayons after you melt them, Harper? Oh, wow. Into a ship. Isn't this exciting, folks? Now, once he hangs up with Brian Harper, I wonder which other former Minnesota Twins players might be calling Dunn. Yes, he did. We could we could hopefully hear from maybe uh, Kevin so, Tappany yeah. or uh, Scott Erickson. So sorry I'm not at home. You know who's so, in Dunn's Rolodex? Chili Davis. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, Harper. Christmas. I like. Oh, yes. Happy Yes, New Year's. I want to have a play date. You want to have a play date? Ton is now setting Sometime? up a play date. Well, we can figure that out. Did Harper. you know that it's Sophia's birthday on Saturday? We did. We have it down to bring her a card. Oh, wow. She will love that. You're going to be around all day? Yep, we'll be there. Awesome. Is if anyone out there was yep, interested she's be in possibly robbing Tun's house or murdering Tun out on the oh street, my gosh. you oh, now know exactly so where he will be coming oh up gosh. this weekend. Uh, 
like those faces. Awesome. Okay, I love your shirt. Thanks for talking. That looks beautiful. I can't wait. Do you think Ton knows Al Newman? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. One time, Ton, he punched Chuck Knobloch. Dusty's right over there talking. The he said your name several times. And I said, Harper, 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 all over the airwaves. Can you say Harper's amazing? Harper is amazing. Yes, he just said it. <laughs> I hope I can get his autographed rookie card soon. Okay, bye-bye. Do little kids know uh, what the radio is, Ton? What was that? That was my neighbor. A lot of people don't know you were actually on the 1991 World Series team. Yeah, I You did. never played, but uh, <laughs> you did have... Uh, I was there. Quite a, quite a view from the bench. Listen, that was my neighbors that I have a really good relationship with. and Who's your neighbor, Tom Kelly? No, my neighbor, her name is Erica, and she has two little girls, Harper and Lauren. And apparently Harper was thinking about me and wanted to FaceTime me. So I said, yeah, sure, no problem. So that was not former Minnesota Twins catcher Brian Harper? No, that was Harper the Amazing. Amazing Harper. And the other daughter's name is what, Gary Gaetti? No, Lauren. She's also amazing. Ton, you're amazing, and uh, I appreciate you, um, you know, taking care of your personal business during your professional business. That's what's called killing two birds with one ton. Yes. This is the five count. Be sure to edit that however you like, Dust. <laughs> well, this is live radio, as I mentioned, so uh, that's going to be in there, and everything you said is probably going to be uh, very embarrassing for you uh, sometime down the road. Absolutely When your not. house is completely robbed, empty. Because uh-huh. you, you told everyone where you're going to, hey, Saturday at noon, I won't be at my house, everyone listening, which is millions of dozens of people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nobody knows where I live, or at least I hope not. Chili Davis could be busted in your door as we speak. That could be a good time, actually. You know what else could be a good time, Ton? No idea. Uh, well, Ton, you need nothing but a good time. That's why you waste every single Saturday for the last almost 20 years. Completely true. We have an exclusive interview tonight with drummer Rick Lee from 10 Years After. Aw, oh, yeah. Ton, uh, he watches the Woodstock film on the reg. Yes. So he knows exactly who I'm talking about. Yes. I watch Woodstock basically, like, weekly. Doo-doo-doo. Eggs are ready. <laughs> Here's Tom Petty. <laughs> Arms are sweaty. You know, you know that song. Sure. So, that Woodstock set that you gave me, the audio version, holy number two. That is really something. Like, super long. I recorded that myself. And holy cow. I carry, you want to talk about holy cow, I carried a boom mic around with me all that weekend, and it was like all that rain and mud and dirty hippies. Yeah. And somehow I was able to get it all back to the car. I had to park and walk 14 miles. 14 miles. So you're lucky that uh, I got anything at all before you start griping. I feel super lucky. Thank you so much. I feel super lucky to be here with you. Uh wearing the sweater you wore last week except now with more stains well this is kind of my house sweater and it did get stained from some tacos but uh, my other one isn't clean so i had to just wear it again i understand Tom. rick lee from 10 years after on the show tonight it's gonna be awesome what else is happening ton you seem like a man a very worldly man with a worldly world view 
Well, I realized after saying so that um, it's actually my daughter's birthday today. I know on the phone call I said this Saturday. It's because we're actually pre-recording this. That's how it works these days, the days of COVID. But right now, it's happy birthday to my daughter, Sophia. She is four years old. So really, I'm uh, at home and eating a lot of cake and tacos again. She said she wanted tacos for her birthday. Do you know who else is celebrating a birthday? No idea. Think about it. Billy Floyd shouts. Oh, yeah. And that other guy, Cam, that I told you about. He's uh, got the same birthday as my daughter. Yeah, no one cares about him. Billy Floyd shouts. Shouts. Happy birthday. Billy Floyd shouts. (laughs) He's got a birthday and ton can't do without your friendship. (laughs) I'm singing at you. Floyd Childs. Yes, that was really good. Remember when we uh, had a birthday show for Floyd Childs and he didn't show up? Yes. You know who else did that to me? No idea. You did. I did not. Do you remember that? I did that? That was about 12 years ago in Five Count History when I had a special Tons birthday party show and then Ton never showed up. So then out of spite, I switched it to the Caller One birthday blowout. And he was much more appreciative Whoever he was, I don't remember, but... I don't remember that at all. It's burned in my mind, Ton, like a horrible scar right on my brain because I felt just like, <laughs> disgusted that you <laughs> abandoned me after all the things I'd done for you. I'm really sorry, Dust. I apologize. But I'm not bitter. I'm over it. It's fine. Listen, I want to say happy birthday, Floyd Shouts. Happy birthday, Cam. And most of all, Sophia Honey Pie, if you're listening somehow, whatever age that you are currently... While listening to this, happy birthday. I really do love you so much. I love you beyond anything you could ever imagine. Happy birthday, Uh, my sweetheart. Ton, do you think when you're dead in like seven years that your kid will go back and listen to these shows? I hope so. I hope she hears this one in particular, honestly. What if she listens to them in order? She'll probably be your age by the time she gets to this one. She could be, yeah. (laughs) I don't know, whatever. If she does listen to it, I think that's great. Those CDs will all be in the hard drives. They'll probably all bite the dust by then. If she doesn't listen to it, that's fine, too. Whatever. Ton, you never listen to anything I say. I try hard. I try hard to make sure that whether or not she listens to this program, that she still totally knows her daddy, and in particular knows that her daddy loves her very much. I try really hard to do that every single day, multiple Uh. times a day. This is your daddy, and this is what he does. <laughs> oh. I'd like to say the same thing, but directed towards Floyd shouts. There you go. What he said, pal. <laughs> what he said. Uh, sad news, though, Ton. I, I hate to bring you down. With all oh, this no. Floyd shouts died? Uh, taco or? cakes. And is he in the hospital again? No. Flo- Floyd shouts is alive and well, but uh, unfortunately, I can't say the same. For five count alumnus Prince Marky D. Oh man, what? I know this has been a rough year for five count alumni. He passed away last week. That's a bummer. We're now paying tribute tonight. We'll discuss our fat boys' memories uh, coming up later in the show. That's too bad. We've also got five count mailbag questions. Might have a voicemail on the five count hotline. Yeah. Might forget some other things and just make funny noises. I don't know. Yeah, we got a lot of options is what we're getting at. Ton might just randomly FaceTime with three-year-old kids and totally blow off his public radio duties. Didn't you hear she's seven now? Oh, sorry. 
fine. She was making boats out of broken crayons. It's good times. You should try it sometime. Great oldies. Great oldies. I can't wait. Let's uh, get to some tunes, shall we? Uh, well, it's been about 10 years after you started babbling. We can finally get to some music. Because Rick Lee is going to be on the show. He's a drummer for 10 years after. The guy played Woodstock, played the Isle of Wight Festival, played like Monterey, played at Tun's birthday party, hopefully, if I can get everything situated. I this shouldn't have said anything in case that falls through. But He's really getting around. Well, he's got a new book out as well, From Headstocks to Woodstock. That's clever. Well, thank you. I didn't come up with that, actually, but <laughs> I uh, did pick out these next six songs for you to enjoy. Awesome. I can't wait.
Thank you. 
This is Terry Adams from NRBQ, and you're listening to The Five Count.
and I cannot be to blame Loving you the way I do If you should want me Then you cannot really say You cannot say to me, baby mm, Won't you love me too Cause you got your way Baby, I got mine
I'm Gary Peterson, the drummer of the Guess Who, and you're listening to The Five Count. baby won't you let me rock and roll you um not currently i'm feeling very rocked and rolled at the moment but maybe later what does that mean exactly i don't think you understand what i'm saying to you perhaps maybe we need to discuss this off air oh okay in depth no deep, uh, very deep dis- uh, discussion very shallow discussion very shallow <laughs> all right welcome back to the show thank you so much Hey, you know what? It's no problem, Ton, because there's no place I'd rather be. Well, there I could probably think of maybe three dozen other places, but okay. I mean, this is up there, like top 50 places I'd rather Wait, be. 50? How, I feel like that number has just like gotten larger over the years. What's the deal? Uh, Ton, I got to be honest. If I had a choice between doing this right now and like being at Circus Pizza, I'd probably uh-huh. be there. At Circus Pizza? I'm afraid so. Does that even exist anymore? Well, I don't know. Uh, let's find out. How do we find out? Well, I'm going to find out. You stay here and finish the show. Circus Pizza? Ton, if there was a place that had bumper boats, I might be there instead. Do you remember the time we had your birthday at Circus? Was it at Circus Pizza? That was Chuck E. Cheese. It was at Chuck E. Cheese. And I was in my mid-20s. Think about that. Piccadilly Circus Pizza. What? Don't tell me you don't remember Circus Pizza. They're saying that Piccadilly Circus Pizza is a pizza restaurant in our town. That's not a real thing. It's in Mankato? It's saying that it's 
in Mankato off of 169. Well, what are we doing here, Ton? We should be, like, sitting out in the parking lot doing the show. Maybe there's, maybe it's, like, slotted to, oh, no. It's, they serve Piccadilly Circus Pizza probably at this gas station. That's not real. At a gas station? They can't have mechanical monkey bands at the gas station. No, they cannot. Circus Pizza was a restaurant with numerous locations in Minnesota. That's wow. how Ton reads everything. Dude, Circus Pizza went bankrupt on an unknown date, and that's when Chuck E. Cheese took over. Why are you telling me this, Ton? You wonder why I'd rather be other places with bumper boats. I'm just trying to make sure that you fully understand. What a buzzkill. I'm sorry, Dust. I mean, what are we going to do? You can't just live your life in a lie. What if we uh, go to the archery range? Shoot arrows? Yeah. Or, like, go to a place that makes exotic cheeses. I like that idea. Exotic cheese. I'm on board. Or we could, like, go to a car show. Yes. That could be something. I'll go to a car show. Or a farm and home show and get, like, free yardsticks. Free milk? And paper glued to sticks so we can fan ourselves when it gets a little too warm in the uh where do they usually have we had ours at the community center in lesseur like uh-huh. every person who lived in lesseur all gathered together at the community center to go around and collect free yardsticks and talk to guys about buying hot tubs but not a single person in lesseur owned a hot tub how does that work how does know. that work somebody was selling them Nobody was buying them. Nobody was buying hot tubs. Do you know a person from LeSueur who owned a hot tub? I mean, I don't know anybody. Exactly, because they don't exist. So why were you there? Why were you at the Farm and Home Show <laughs> trying to sell hot tubs? You know people don't buy damn hot tubs in LeSueur. Dust, just simmer down for a second. I don't just know what... It just makes me mad is all. Are we people saying... out there can have the finer things in life like exotic cheeses and Piccadilly Circus Pizza and hot tubs, and here I am with nothing. All right, please, if you're from LeSueur and you own a hot tub, give us a call, 507-519-2030. Let us know how many hot tubs are in LeSueur. Please, if you're out there right now listening, just give that. Just start calling that number. 507-519-2030, hot tubs in LeSueur. I got to know. There's doctors and stuff, right? Isn't there? I mean, there's a Mayo Clinic site in LeSueur. Is there a doctor there? Does a doctor live in LeSueur? Do they live somewhere else? They must live somewhere else. There's a Moots Eye Clinic. They must live somewhere else. I think else. they got a hot tub there at the eye clinic. Do you think they actually live in LeSueur? I mean, a doctor could have a hot tub. Does anyone really live in LeSueur? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> What are you getting at here? I don't know, Ton. Do they actually live in St. Peter, but then work in the sewer? It's possible. Is St. Peter a nicer town than the sewer? Could be. Is St. Peter larger than the sewer? About twice the size. Plus, you know what St. Peter is mostly known for? It's the birthplace of me and Ravishing Rick Root. And David Rashi from Sledgehammer also lived there briefly. Wow. And taught at Gustavus Adolphus College. That's amazing. Those are the three biggest attributes that St. Peter has. Yeah. Do you know what Lesueurs are? Uh, meth. Okay. And uh, mutated frogs. Twelve-legged frogs, and old rusty green giant signs from a hollowed-out husk of a shell of a town that no longer employs the jolly giant, and no hot tubs. Why are we even talking about this? Is that a single hot tub? 
How could there not be a single hot tub in a town? <laughs> did we just talk about this? I mean, we did, but how many hot tubs are in Mankato, do you think? I don't know, probably like at least a dozen or so. There's got to be more than a dozen, dude. Yeah, maybe 30. 60? That's pushing it. Of like 50-some thousand people, only 60 of them have hot tubs here? No. I'm guessing more people have water beds than hot tubs. There's thousands of hot tubs in this town. You have how many hot tubs? You have six of them yourself? Yeah. Your water bill must be out of control. Single hot tub, doubles hot tub, four-person hot tub, 16-person hot tub, a hot tub in the car. How many is that now? I might have more than six. That's a lot of tubs that are... Hot tub in the house, hot tub on the roof, hot tub in the garage. Those other ones are just outside. You're a pruny fellow. (laughs) Dude, that guy's got to stay hot and wet most of the time. Well, uh, it's working, Ton, I'll tell you that much. You're the hottest, wettest man I know. (laughs) Yes. Hey, did you know Rick Lee from 10 Years After is going to be on the show tonight? You mentioned something about that earlier. He probably owns a hot tub. He probably does. Probably been in a hot tub with like uh, Jerry Garcia or Roger Daltrey or Sha Na Na. You think those guys hang out in hot tubs? Could be. Why was Sha Na Na at Woodstock? Can I ask that question? Uh, brevity. Did anyone care that Sha Na Na was there? You obviously have uh, something to say about it. I mean, I listened to Sha Na Na at Woodstock. I listened to the whole set, but while I was listening, I was like... Did anyone care that they were there? Did they just do it for just to add just some filler? Or what was happening? You think they did it for the lulls? It's very interesting to think about. Because Sean and I wasn't really making... making. Were they making records in 69 still? No. Good band. I don't know. They were a 50s hit, right? I think they are generational, Tom. Like across all of them. Across all generations, Sean and I. Exactly. Okay. Not like that guy you were listening to in your car, the Jimmy Hydrox. I mean, I would listen to Shanana right now. I would still do that. That's fine with me. It just seems weird. It, it seems out of context in 69. Like the people that were at Woodstock were not looking to listen to Shanana. Well, Ton, speaking of out of context 69, uh, here's a question from Billy Floyd Shouts. Oh, great. Sounds good. Figure that out. Uh, I got it figured. For my birthday, I'm going a little inside wrestling for my question. Of course he is. Which kind of seems like he does that most weeks. Yeah, all the time. Imagine it is December 1983. Okay, you picturing that? I'm picturing. Hulk Hogan decides he's staying with the AWA rather than joining the WWF. This is pretty inside, Tyner. You keep it up with me. I'm trying. Who would you pick to replace Hogan as the face of the WWF through the rest of the 80s? Also, do you believe the AWA would still be a major company in the 90s had Hogan stayed? Signed, birthday man, Billy Floyd shouts. It's a little inside, Tyner. Of wrestling, I mean. Yeah. Um... I wasn't born until 94, so this one is a bit out of my wheelhouse. Ton, you were already in your 20s, so you should have no trouble recollecting. Well, I can't really... 
I don't really fully like remember the roster in '83, but I just my gut reaction is uh, perhaps just the Macho to became the face. I mean, the Macho was at WWF, right? So I don't like, know if he came after. until '86. Okay, I was gonna. I was thinking maybe '85, but so right in '83, who who else are we talking about in '83? Uh, I think Bob Backlund may have stayed the champion for a while. Yeah, he would have stayed the champ. But I'm I'm saying, so here's what I'm getting at. Hogan, within WWF, I think represents, like, the major turning point and into, like, that modern era of wrestling where, um, I don't know, people might argue this, but it's like, Hogan is the first of that lineage where it's definitely kind of open book that it's not real, you know, or that, that there's like, there's something going on here. Even though I don't recall thinking that when I was a kid watching Hogan, but when you watch it now, I feel like that's kind of the first major step in that direction towards what we have now. So I, and I don't think that that's only because of Hogan. I think that's probably a conscious decision even within, you know, on Vince's part. So, yeah, I agree with you. Bob Backlund obviously could have just stayed champ for a while. But I think someone like the Mach would have turned into that face that they tried to get to sort of change the business in this other direction. Obviously, Andre is always going to be up there within WWF. Andre is going to be huge big time. Now, whether or not Hogan would have made made it over there and and elevated that promotion, I don't really, I don't know that I, I don't know that I believe that would be true. I really don't, because there's a lot more pieces to the promotion getting humongous than just Hogan. You know what I'm saying? And we've seen that since then. We've seen that. WCW is proof of that. You know, TNA is proof of that. We will see if AEW is proof of that or not, you know. I mean, and there's other, like, side weird weird stuff that uh, that Hogan has been a part of that it hasn't, it hasn't, you know, Hogan didn't make it all of a sudden the next big sensation, you know. You mean Thunder and Paradise? Yeah. So I think it would have just been buried. I mean, if a different, if a different promotion didn't know how to market Hogan... And push him in that direction of the real American deal and, and all that stuff. Or, or maybe not push, but support. Let's say support. Say Let's say even if Hogan 100% just came up with that whole thing and, and completely 100% on his own said gold trunks, you know, golden red, real American intro. This is my whole new persona. And not a single McMahon anything encouraged any any part of that at all 100% that was Hogan only it still would have taken the promotion over there because that did start in AWA that was a lot of that was Vern I'm sure okay so but it would take them to support it and to continue it happening in that manner or whatever you know that's that same trajectory the whole time what do you think about five count alumnus Jimmy Snuka Superfly um, I like that idea, and I think Superfly was real popular, but... Until he murdered someone, he was, like, the big guy. I think. Yeah. 
Allegedly. He was. But there's like a point where the mic skills would have fizzled out and the match would have taken over. What about Iron Mike Sharp, Canada's greatest athlete? I don't think absolute face. I don't even think he was a face as much as the match even was just being the match with Hogan. What if instead of Hogan coming, Crusher Jerry Blackwell came to WWF and body slammed the world? Gave a big splash to Mr. T and Cindy Lauper and Tun's childhood. Crusher Mania would be running wild. It could have been, maybe. I don't know. Think about that, birthday shouts. I don't know. I really don't know. That's a tough one. And so, you know, I just gave all of my thoughts on that situation, and I'm sure Floyd Shouts will tell me how unbelievably wrong I am, and that's fine. Hey, come on now. You two need to bury the hatchet right now. It's totally fine, but that's the way I feel about it. That's the way I think about it. I don't know. I think more had to do with even the promotion than just it being Hogan only, you know? I mean, I'm sure Hogan had a big part of the promotion being successful, but it also had to be those... There's other pieces. No matter how much... You think it's just Hogan. There had to be other pieces at play. I think. Dude, did I see this thing correctly? That the Big Show has signed a contract over at AEW? Did I see that today? Yeah, I think so. Does that mean anything? Does anybody care about that? Well, I assume Floyd Shouts would care. That place seems to be like the place where all the ex-WWE guys go to hang out and do nothing, I guess. I don't know. I don't watch it, but... It seems like the same people all the time. Like Sting comes out, points his bat, doesn't say anything, walks to the back. Is that what the big show is going to do now? Yeah. Come out and make like angry faces and then leave and and then we all say, what's the point of this? It's very possible. I don't know. Ah, ton. I don't know either, but I do know that we have an exclusive interview with Rick Lee from 10 years after. Awesome. He's got a new book out, From Headstocks to Woodstock. Beautiful. Let's hear the interview, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. We are joined on the phone today by drummer Rick Lee, best known as a member of the band 10 Years After. He's got a new book. It's called From Headstocks to Woodstock. Hey, Rick, how's it going today? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk a bit about the new book, From Headstocks to Woodstock. Can you tell the listeners a bit about it? Yeah, well, the, the title um, <clears throat> is a little bit of a play on words. Um, a headstock. I, I was born in, in a coal mining area in in, uh, in England. Called, uh, near Man- uh, Well, the coal mines were near Mansfield, the town I was born. And uh, the, the headstock is a tower with a wheel on the top and wires, and that lowers the cage with the miners in it way down into the earth to uh, to mine the coal. So that's one part of headstock. The other part, of course, is it's the top end of a guitar neck where the, um, where the tuning pegs are. So a little play on words there. Woodstock, I think everybody knows, or if not, that was a big, big festival, probably the first big festival in, uh, in the world, actually, uh, in Woodstock, up, upstate New York. So um, that's where the title came from. It covers a lot of stuff, of course, around that time. A lot of things were happening and you know, not only music, but the world. And, you know, you've got stories in there with Miles Davis and James Brown, Muhammad Ali, a lot of stuff I wasn't expecting, but a definitely a great book. Well, that's very kind. Thank you. Thank you. 
How was that for you writing the book? I know that's a, a long time ago, but I imagine a lot of those stories are pretty fresh in your mind still. Well, um, I, I've said before the, the um, what I had, which was was brilliant. I had my own diaries. I always kept diaries. Bizarrely, um, the about two weeks before Woodstock, there's nothing written. <laughs> but there's years before that. Um, but um, I, I was very lucky. A, a dear friend from Boston, a guy called Herb Starr, uh, put together a pictorial history of the band. And um, I used that as a skeleton. And then I was able to hang my stories on it. So, for instance, when, when he mentioned the Newport Festival, that sprung the story about Miles Davis. Um, also, the fact that there were so many of uh, my influences in the beginning were, were, were jazz players. Um, and I, I could see on the bill at, at, um, at Newport that, that it was, there was Buddy Rich on there, Kenny Burrell, uh, Art Blakey, you know, all my heroes, if you like. And sadly, we, we were unable to stay, <coughs> stay and see any of them. Um, but uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, the story, the story about meeting Miles is in the book, so I'll let somebody read that one. <laughs> well, let's talk a bit about uh, Woodstock. I know you guys were in the film and the soundtrack. Uh, that really kind of helped uh, break you guys here in the States. But what was that like for you guys to be part of that? Did you have any idea that that show would be, uh, you know, what it's become here all these years later? No, not really. Um, we were on a, on a tour of, of the States. We've, we've done quite a lot of gigs with uh, Jeff Beck Group, actually. <clears throat> which had Rod Stewart and uh, Ronnie Wood in it at the time. And, and they, in fact, were due to play Woodstock for reasons which, again, are in the book. Um, they, they, they didn't do it. But um, So we were on this tour, and our manager actually had been turning down. Every time our agent, Frank Barcelona, rang him and said, I think you should do this. And he said, well, what are they offering? So uh, Frank told him, and he said, no, no. He said, we're, we're doing better than that in the auditorium. You know, we're touring the auditoria um, around America. Um, we're pulling about 5,000 people. What do we want to do that for, that sort of money, you know? Um, and Frank said, well, it's going to be pretty big. They're expecting 50,000 people. So um, and that's, that's the way it was in, in the early days of it. Uh, and, of course, as the word spread, more and more acts got, got booked for it. Um, so Frank called Chris Wright and said to him, Look, I really do think you should do this. You know, uh, Janice is trying to do it. The Who are doing it. Uh, Jefferson Airplane are doing it. The Grateful Dead are doing it. And Hendrix has just signed. You've got to be crazy not to do this. And thank God uh, Chris signed the deal and we did it. Well, what is that like uh, for you playing, you know, to crowds like that? Woodstock or, you know, Isle of Wight and... Does that do anything for you, you know, nerves-wise when you're playing, or, or is it just kind of business as usual? Well, there's two things on that. <clears throat> One is that I always say, if you're not nervous before a show, then then you're not a proper performer, because I think everybody has. Um, it may be a few seconds, but if you have those those nerves, and in a way, that's the adrenaline that gets you onto the stage to play. Oh, it certainly does in my case. Um, Woodstock was very unnerving, yes. We, we finally went on at 10 o'clock at night. We were supposed to go on in the afternoon, but they had a very violent rainstorm. Um, and the whole stage was live for about two hours, so they wouldn't let us use it until it was made safe. Um, but we went on, it was just dark, the stage lights were on, 
and there were whatever it was, we don't know, 300, 500,000 people. It was certainly the biggest show we'd played to that day. Um, and I was really nervous. I mean, literally sort of shaking before we go. But again, once Alvin hit the first chord, I was fine. And, and off we went. And, and then afterwards, of course, a tremendous exhilaration because of the way we'd been received, you know. And, um, and then, frankly, the thing that put us on the world stage was, was the film that followed it the following year. Awesome. Well, again, uh, that's all in the new book, From Headstocks to Woodstock. And I know 10 years after, just had a new album a couple of years ago, A Sting in the Tail. Is there a new album in the works or maybe some more music we should be looking out for? Well, interestingly, um, Deco Entertainment have just signed us to put out A Sting in the Tail in America. Um, previously, it's been available on import or just local sort of distribution. Uh, it's not really had a profile. And a good friend of mine, a DJ in Philadelphia, T. Morgan, uh, said, you've got to get this album out in this country properly because he said it, it needs to be heard. It's, it's a really great album. So uh, made the deal with Deco. And they've taken also four tracks from a subsequent live album we did and added them to it. And it's called um, A Sting in the Tail Deluxe Edition. Um, and it, the lot, one of the live tracks is I'd Love to Change the World, of course, which is a big hit for us in... Uh, 1971 so um and the package they're putting together is really good so if uh, people look out for that you'll be you'll be seeing adverts for it and uh and stuff in the not too distant future it's coming out in march awesome rick i'm a big fan of yours and it's been great speaking with you thank you so much well hopefully we'll meet you one of these days we're hoping to get a tour together maybe end of this year if not uh, 2022 uh, it'll depend on the covid situation of course Excellent. I'll be looking for you. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, come and say hello All right. if, we, if we get to your town. Will Looking do. Look forward to it. All right, thank you. My pleasure. Bye. And again, that was Rick Lee from 10 Years After. His new book, From Headstocks to Woodstock, is available now. And the new 10 Years After album, A Sting in the Tail, the deluxe version, is on the way as well. Skies are sunny, bees make honey, who needs money? 
Hi, this is Yorma Kalkner from Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna, and you're listening to The Five Count.
Hi, this is Joe Bouchard, best known as one of the founders of Blue Oyster Cult, and you are listening to The Five Count. Come on, everybody, let's rock on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow! Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I love 
la God knows I do. I love you, baby. La God knows I do. Take your love and baby one more time. Oh, do the stomp. Do the stomp. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Oh, baby, baby, baby. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do the baby and do the one more time. Yeah, oh, oh. I'm going home. 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 I'm going Babe, I'm coming to get you one more time. Go on, huh?
Ten years after. Please, a warm thank you for ten years after. Let's do it, Don. Come Let's on. Let's do it. We're going home. That was a long song. Was it really? Weren't you paying attention? Listen, I was in the bathroom for a long time. For that entire song? That was like a 14-minute long song. Yeah, I just had, uh, you know, this fasting deal. I drink so much water, it just takes me a long time. Okay, well, thanks for that. That was Rick Lee from 10 Years After. Good guy. Uh, From Headstocks to Woodstock, that's the name of the new book. Buy it. He'd love to change the world and sell you his book also. Huh. Well, I can't blame him. I don't expect you to, (laughs) Todd. Awesome. What a good time. Hey, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Todd, but we uh, have a five-count hotline that you could call and, like, you could leave a message, you could text a thing that you want Todd to see, and then he'll be like, oh, yeah, whatevs. But, I mean, at least he'll see it. Because, I mean, his P.O. box, I got to be honest, it's probably overflowing at this point. The guy never checks his mail. So if you're, like, sending him edible stuff, like panties or brownies or something, like, he ain't eating them. <laughs> he doesn't even know they're there. They're just piling up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's, you know, it's tough. I got a lot of stuff going on. I can't always get over to that P.O. box. But, you know, eventually I'll go through it. So you could call the hotline. At uh, 507-519-2030. Yeah, man. Has anybody been calling that lately? Uh, We do have a voicemail here from your pal Jerry S. Jerry S. Let's hear it. Jerry Salamander. There it is. There's the beat. Yeah, this is Jerry from Rochester. I am driving. I am on the road. I just seen on your page, you know, that you guys interviewed that Michael Ian Black. Is that his name? I don't even really know who that guy is, but I met him before. One time in Wasika, because you know I'm from Wasika, you know, that town that nobody seems to know anything about, but yet is very famous. Um, I was down at the park, and that Michael Ian Black guy was just standing there. And I actually went up to him. I go, hey, uh, I think I've seen you on TV before. I said something like that to him. He goes, oh, yeah. He was kind of being, you know, whatever, because, you know, who am I? I'm nobody. And I'm like, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I date a girl from this town, so I, you know, I have to come here or something. He didn't seem very thrilled, which you can understand. Wait, would anybody be thrilled to be in Watsika? I'm just telling you, I've seen that guy in Watsika, just standing there at a park by himself. And, you know, because I was standing there by myself also. So we were, we just met for a brief moment in time. I talked to him. He seemed very unhappy to be in Watsika. You know, he should be back in Hollywood making his little TV shows and stuff. And uh, here he is in Watsika, standing at the park, because he dates some girl from Watsika. Oh, and that brings me up another story. I met the guitarist from Journey, Neil Schoen, in Watsika also, because he was married to a girl from Watsika, and he also didn't seem very thrilled to be in Watsika at the time. I mean, come on. It makes me not want to visit Watsika again, which, you know, I haven't been there in months. So look out, Watsika. I'm on the way. Let's get rolling, big boy! There you have it, Tom. Listen to that guy. 
Lots of excitement and lots of celebrities hanging out in Wasika for some reason. Dude, I was cracking up. Like, what is he? For a second, I was like, what is he even getting at? But then it was like really interesting. It was like really strange, but then also super interesting at the same time. How does he meet all those people just in Wasika? And why the hell are all those people in Wasika? Why are they all dating chicks from Wasika? Heather, I'm looking in your direction. He was actually looking right at me when he said that, which is weird. How many... Well, I mean, maybe Heather has the answers, dude. Heather is a woman from Wasika, and she knows. She was dating Michael Ian Black? She very well could have been. I need to talk to Heather more. We need to get to the bottom of this. Is there something in the water in Wasika? They have that cool ballpark. I know Heather gets haircuts once in a while, and it's like... Maybe that's why she doesn't do them all that often, because it's just too, like, too much Wasika happening in that hair, and she wouldn't be able to just go to the store or something anymore. Why don't you ask uh, birthday boy William Floyd Shouts? He's from Wasika. Billy Floyd Shouts, what's the deal with all the chicks in Wasika and everyone wanting to date them? Can you please expand on that? Also, uh, what is it about that guy from Journey that gets ton all flustered? He's always talking about Journey. Well, have you seen his face when he does the solos? Have you seen it? It's very punchable. That's what I imagine the sound that he's making while he's soloing. That's rock and roll, ton. That's something. I don't know what it is. Straight out of Wasika. Straight out of Wasika. They have hot tubs in Wasika? Was Open Arms written in Wasika, do you think? Probably written in a hot tub. In Wasika. Probably out in the country, maybe. Heather, do you have a hot tub or what? Talk to me. Heather, just call the number, 507-519-2030. I feel like we need to get to the bottom of this. So the hot tub? Did I you, wish we had better equipment. Heart medicine or I what? wish people like supported us on GoFundMe. Go to GoFundMe. We have some stuff that we'd like to buy. If we had this board, we could just call Heather right now and plug her right into the whole situation and be like beautiful sounding and it would be awesome. We could get to the bottom of this. We could talk to Heather about hot tubs and Wasika and really like poofy bangs. Why can't we get Floyd shouts in a hot tub? It's his birthday. You're welcome to get Floyd shots in a hot tub. Do that. <laughs> Maybe I will, Ton. Maybe I will. <laughs> I think you should. What else is happening, Ton? Do you think they had hot tubs like 10 years ago? I think they did, yeah. I think people had hot tubs for many years. Well, let's talk about it, Ton, because you know why? Hey. No you, idea. You know why? Because this is the part of the program where we go back 10 years and five count history. Aw, uh, yeah. February 26th, 2011, episode number 343, if you're keeping track. I don't know if they are. Nikki uh, Strudelbottom, she was listening in order. I wonder if she's gotten this far yet. She's keeping track for sure. Listen, Ton, uh, this was another show with an exclusive interview with hip-hop pioneer Curtis Blow. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, well... Uh, he's like the guy first rapper signed to a major label and he was like uh, discovering people like run DMC the fat boys who we'll talk about in a minute yes he was in the film crush groove yeah he was crush grooving body moving yes I am on board with that and we talked to him those were the breaks 10 years ago ton those were the breaks dude 
Yes, that was a good show. I remember when we had him on, <laughs> and I was like stoked. We were both like excited about this, and then I remember telling people at work, you know, where we're like, yeah, we got Curtis Blow on the show this weekend, and they were all going like, who, what? I'm like, what? What do you mean, who and what? Like, don't aren't you listening to Fifty Cent right now? Like, this probably wouldn't be a Fifty Cent if not for Curtis Blow. Do you there, not understand this? There's no Nas. I know that much. Man, it's like, what the heck? I don't get it. It seems like you really work with a lot of boobs and numbskulls, nitwits, well, perhaps. I mean, or at least you did ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago, definitely. Um, Tanya Wankum is a top-notch individual. So is Kurt, and so is Heather. And some of those might even be boobs in a different way, wink, wink, and I'm fine with that. But it's, yeah, there's definitely, the, it's their own, there's there's plenty of the other stuff out there, too. I mean, what can I say? Not everybody can be on our level. Not everybody can be on your level, Dust. That's the real thing. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Those are the breaks. Those are the breaks. Well, that was 10 years ago, Ton, in five-count history. Man. Crazy. And we're back. Ton, uh, some sad news. It's apropos that we did have Curtis Blow on 10 years ago because uh, tonight we are going to pay tribute to five-count alumnus Prince Marky D of the Fat Boys, who yeah. was also in the film Crush Groove. Yeah. I remember when we had him on the show, too, and we were very excited, but nobody knew what I was talking about. Like, very few people knew what I was talking about. That was one of the regrets, I guess I'll call it, in the history of the show, when we had Prince Marky Dion. Back then, it was only a one-hour show, so we were always very mindful of like how long the interviews went, because yeah. we didn't want to do a 50-minute interview and then have no time to play the Fat Boys. Yeah. So we talked to Prince Marky D for like 15 plus minutes or so. And then out of nowhere, do you remember this? Where he said, oh, hey, uh, uh, Cool Rock Ski is with me in the car. You want to talk to him? Totally remember. And it was like, yes, we want to talk to Cool Rock Ski. Yes. But like we we can't really because that's going to chew up the rest of the show and we only have an hour so. I think we just said, hey, how you doing? And we got a, an ID from him, and we didn't really talk to him much at all. Yeah. And that was my fault. I should have just did a two-hour interview and just figured it out after the fact. Yeah, and just edited it somehow. We totally should have done that. But at the time, we weren't prepared for the fat boys to be together driving around town. Yeah, not at all. I didn't even know that they were like still hanging out together. They totally were, dude. Well, it was I ridiculous. Know that now. I know you do. I, I feel your pain, dude. I was there. It was really something. But I love the Fat Boys, and I always have since I was a little kid. And I was like, if we have two interviews on the same show, then we're not going to be able to play Don't You Dog Me. We're not going to be able to play Human Beatbox. We're not going to be able to play much anything. Because there was already, like, I want to play four and a half hours of songs, but we only have time for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. They were uh, an interesting group, and I don't know. Were they one of the, were they kind of the first group that was, I don't know what to say. Like, Heavy would you, set? Would you call them satire? Would you call them, like... No, nah, those guys were legit. I mean, they had the gimmick, yeah. of course, but... 
I mean, like the beatbox thing, they really kind of... Some people would say maybe Dougie Fresh invented that, but other people say it was buff. So I don't know. Maybe it was both at the same time, but... Yeah. Well, I'm not... I'm not... I'm not trying to, like, speak ill of their skills, per se. Not at all. But the lyrical content wasn't exactly... Um, in that time, it was like either th- either the music was about, like, having a good time somehow, like partying, or the music was about, like, a message to the people about the streets. And the fat boys came in just talking about going through a buffet line. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, but they did have the message songs also, but yeah. they just weren't the popular songs that everybody knows. Yeah, true. That, But, the, uh, I mean, that's what I was trying to... That's what I meant by the satire. Like, are they the first group that kind of pulled that thing? Where they were like, we're just going to be ridiculous and it's all good. It could be. I guess I can't think of any other groups at that time that did, like... Uh, Songs that were kind of humorous. Yeah. I guess maybe Houdini did. There were some uh, Sugar Hill Gang songs maybe that were came off that way sort of, but they didn't really have like the, the gimmick that the Fat Boys did. Yeah, for sure. So there you go, Ton. Still think about that, which I should just probably move on with my life, but at least we got uh, both of them on the show. They were on the show. Yes. Just timing issues. We should have just said F the true punks and stole their hour. That would have been the right plan. But that would have been like at one in the morning. It's fine, dude. You did what you did, and it's all good. But we still had the fat boys on the show. We had them on the show, yes. And sadly now, Prince Marky D has passed away. But you can go to thefivecount.com and uh, relive the memories. Plus, we did uh, a lot of other shows that were kind of of that ilk we had curtis blow on obviously we just yeah. talked about that we had uh who do we have on we had dmc on yes we had sheila e she was in crush groove it's kind of ridiculous we've done it man don't yes, question tons cred there's he's yeah, been there it's not even possible really to question it i don't even worry about that haters i don't even think about haters at all except floyd shouts for some reason, it just gets under my skin. Yeah, but that's probably does. why he does that. He does it for that reason. Floyd Schultz, I'm gonna. I know it's your birthday, and I don't want to upset you, but I, I want you to know that Ton really does uh, worry about this thing, and he talks about it often when we're not on air, and it really does get to him. And he he's up late at night thinking, like, man, I really hope Floyd Schultz doesn't dislike me because I think he's like the sleepwear of a small kitten. That's true. The sleepwear of a small kitten, 100%. Especially when you wear that velvet tracksuit. <laughs> Amazing. I just mailed uh, episodes of Grady and Sanford Arms to Floyd Childs for That's his birthday. Nice. That's nice of you. Well, uh, sadly, he's the only person I feel like I could really relate to and discuss things relating to Red Fox. Yeah. He's the only other person I know who's like, yeah, Red Fox. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Bubba. Bubba Bixby. He gets excited, and well, I'm that's excited. Good. No I'm, one else is excited. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm happy that you have that kind of friend like that, that you can connect with on Red Fox. I think you deserve that, Dust. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh, what were we talking about? Red Fox. Are we going to play some more uh, music here? 
before yeah, you get to back to whatever it is yes. you do when you're not with me. We need to play more music right now. Uh, well, we've got Fat Boys. Let's do it. All you can eat, ton. All, All ton you can, can eat. eat. Yes. Bad, bad, bad boys. We guarantee you one thing, we can surely come to the party and rock the house as we home on night. Let's to turn it out. So put the fresh move and take it from me. Listen to the fish sounds of the disco three. Ha ha! Uh, 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 uh,
Marky D from the Fat Boys, and I'm vibing right now with the five count. What up, guys?
that she want good loving. I won't front because my love is stronger than a thousand pounds. Don't take me for granted. I put me down. Yes, I'm cool. I ski to dominate an MC. Master of disaster, the chief of the east. A lime to a lemon, lemon to a lime. I'm the MC with the fresh rhyme. And when I'm on the stage, the ladies scream for me. Cause I'm the capital K, known as Cool Ski. Better than best, I'm MC successor. When I'm on the mic, I call the disaster. So, you dog me. <laughs> Don't you dog me. You know I love you, fool. Don't you dog me. Because I will love you.
people sleeping, snoozing and dreaming. Bob Kruger's on the corner of Elm Street scheming. Huh, to bed and wake up and listen to me. Because the blaze of Freddy Krueger's hands will miss. Don't fall asleep.
The five count is back. And you know a ton can never be whack. That's right. That was the Fat Boys. Rest in peace, Prince Marky D. Yeah, man. That's some serious business. We've lost like half a dozen five count alumni just this year already. It's kind of crazy. How does that even happen? I don't know. It's a good thing we got these people on tape while we still have the chance. Ton, I'm glad to see that you're still here. At least that's something. I'm totally here, and uh, you listeners hopefully are still out there. Go to the5count.com. You can check out all of the interviews that we've been discussing on this radio program tonight. The Fat Boys. You can see them. You can hear them right on the5count.com. Us interviewing is a great time. If you don't want to go to the website, you can go to the Five Count on YouTube. All of the interviews that we do are just on the YouTube channel. You can just listen to the interview on its own, but promise you you know when you listen to it on the fivecrown.com you hear all the music with it it's in a totally different experience yeah don't you dog me ton don't you dog me hey uh we have a patreon we've got a patreon go there there's special extra content only available on patreon you can access all of it for the low low price starting at one dollar if you would like to donate more than that it would be greatly appreciated all that money actually goes to uh, the website upkeep, the hosting of the website, mostly. We pay for all that stuff ourselves, and we don't get paid for this program at all. So, yeah, go there. Check it out, please. You can also see The Five Count at The Movies. That's an exclusive Patreon series where Ton and I watch all your old favorite films, and we talk over them. Another one's going to be coming up soon. Can Maybe we tell it was yesterday. It Maybe it was yesterday. American Commando Ninja. One of Ton's all-time favorites. You have excellent Hocus Pocus. Thank you so much. This movie is really, really top-notch, actually. Hey, speaking of top-notch, um, we played Best of the Best Championship Karate yeah, on dude. the latest episode of the Five Count Co-op, and that game is not the best of the best. No, it is definitely not, but you should check it out. Go to thefivecount.com. There's links to all of it out there. YouTube, Patreon, GoFundMe, Facebook. Twitter. We're on there. We're doing it. We hope to see you soon. Happy birthday. Floyd shouts. Heather, thank you so much. Jerry, severe sunburn. You're an amazing dude. And Sophia, my sweetheart, I love you. Happy birthday. You should get your daughter a five-count medallion for her birthday from Lori Dawn Ceramics. It might be too late for that, but I will keep it in mind. Hey, thanks to Rick Lee from 10 Years After for being on the show. Thanks to you for listening. No thanks to Afropop. Nobody likes you. Nobody likes you anymore. Thank you and good night.